0: Good boys and girls, Two Footed Podcast on Thursday, January 13th, brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access whatever it is you're geoblocked from, and also keep your data safe. Check out libertyshield.com and use the code EPL599 to get your first month for one quid. thereafter, but no contract, no long-term commitment. Instant download to your device. LibertyShield.com EPL 599 at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and finally do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you will find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 and RED10 to get 10% off at checkout on those particular sites. Right, folks. It is Thursday so it's questions day. But before we get to that, we've got one game from last night to look back on. West Ham 2, Norwich 0. Two goals from Jared Bowen give West Ham the points and bounce them back into the top four. Now, Bowen should have scored four in this game. He missed two sitters. One of them there's no excuse for. But the two goals were good goals. First one is a good-headed goal from about seven yards out from a Vladimir Sufal cross. And the second one is a tap-in from a pullback by Arthur Masawaka. West Ham were dominant in this game. Norwich were dreadful, genuinely dreadful. And the defending was farcical for both goals. Ben Gibson on the first and Grant Hanley on the second. Absolutely shocking defending. Norwich's only real input in the game was hitting the post. Adam aday hit the post he, well his shot was turned on to the post by Lucas Fabianski. but apart from that he did very they, they did very, very little. I thought Pablo Fornals had a tremendous game. The standout performer for West Ham Lanzini played well again. I thought Vlasic looked good, finally seems to be finding his feet after his move to the hammers uh, they just they looked very comfortable. And as I say, they are now back in the top four, two points clear of Arsenal, but they have played a game more. So Arsenal do have the opportunity, of course, to retake that position. It's going to be very tight for that fourth spot. You've got West Ham on 37, Arsenal on 35 with a game less played, Tottenham on 33 with three games less played than West Ham, and Manchester United on 31 with two games less played than West Ham. So it it does look like it'll be a four-way battle. Leicester, potentially, if they win their games in hand, could find themselves back in the mix. But they're 12 points off West Ham, even with their three games in hand. It seems unlikely that they'll get back in that mix. The best they can probably hope for is eight. Um, I think if you're making favourites right now, Tottenham probably look the best bet because of Conte. They've lost the least games of those four teams. They've got the best defensive record of those four teams. Now, again, they've played the least games, so if they were to lose one of their games in hand, that could even things up. But the best manager, the two best players. Kane and Son are the two best players. I know Kane's not having a good season, and Son is in a bit of a funk at the minute. But I would always back Conte. Talent-wise, United definitely have the best group of players. Team-wise, West Ham are the best team in terms of how they function together. Arsenal have a lot of talent. I think they've got the worst manager of the four uh, by a substantial margin. But I also think there's bigger holes in their team. I think the lack of leadership, the lack of toughness in that Arsenal team. They've also lost the most games. They've lost seven. Defensively, I'm not overly sold on them. I think there's question marks over a number of their players. So as things stand, I would probably lean Tottenham, United fifth, West Ham sixth, Arsenal seventh. But I think it's very, very fluid. And all four of them are in the mix. And of course, we're in the middle of a transfer window. All of them could be busy. West Ham have been linked with a couple of centre-backs. Diallo from PSG, the most recent one. Arsenal being linked with Dusan Vlavic. I think that's fanciful. I don't think they get him. He'll wait till the summer. He'll be be the backup prize in the Erling Haaland sweepstakes if he's still a Fiorentina in the summer. So whatever team doesn't get Haaland, I think we'll go for Vlahovic. So, as example, if Haaland ends up at Real Madrid, I think Manchester City will jump on Dušan Vlahović. I think PSG will have interest in Vlahović. I think he will have bigger and better offers than Arsenal. Uh Tottenham been linked with a number of players including Adama Traoré, and Manchester United recently linked with Denis Zakaria. They could do with help in midfield and he would help them without question. And if he's available at 6 to 7 million, it's a bargain price. At worst, he becomes a really good backup. At worst, you can go in the summer, buy a starting midfield, and you've got Zakaria, Fred, and McTominay as depth. That's not bad. If you've got a good starting midfield, that's not bad depth. Um I'm I'm really curious to see who gets it. I think the top three will be the top three. I don't think there's any any risk there. I think City, Liverpool, Chelsea. Uh, will be the top three, probably in that order. But it's a good battle for fourth. It really is a good battle for fourth. And credit to West Ham. Like, they really do deserve credit for still being in the mix after last season being so good and coming close to getting top four. This season, to run it back, overcome some bad injuries. Ogbana Zuma's been out for a while. Like, they'll get him back as well which will be a huge boost. They're good going forward. They've got balance in midfield. They're strong defensively. There's areas they can improve for sure. I think they've already got one in-house upgrade with Ariola, who's a better keeper than Fabianski, but Fabianski has that relationship with that defense that I think Moyes is banking on. They could do it some more depth in midfield. They could do it more depth up front, but you know they're finding ways to win games. And that's all they can really do. Bone with two goals last night. That brings him to a tally of five in the Premier League this season. Now, the way people are behaving, he's got 45. Um, Liverpool fans seem to get obsessed with this player whenever he has a good game, uh, but ignore the bad games. Uh, He's got eight goals in all competitions this year and seven assists. Now, what we had last night was a lot of calls for him to be in the England squad. And I think that's fair. I think on current form a call-up to the England squad is fair. But I saw someone use the logic that he's got more goals than Mason Mount, Emile Smith-Rowe, Bakayo Saka, Marcus Rashford, Mason Greenwood, Jack Grealish, and Jadon Sancho. I think we're all in agreement that the three boys at United, Greenwood, Sancho, and Rashford, are all having dreadful seasons at a club that's having a dreadful season. They're underperforming massively. So to outperform them this season is not a big it's not a big accomplishment. The same goes for Grealish, he's having a stinker of a season. Again, it's not a big accomplishment to outperform Jack Grealish in terms of goals and assists. However, while he may have scored more goals than Mason Mount, Bikayo Saka, and Emile Smith Rowe. He's also played more games and substantially more minutes than any of them. And if you break it down to goal or assist per minute, Jared Bowen is at 133.3 minutes per goal or assist. Bakayo Saka outperforms him just slightly, 152.9 minutes per goal or assist. Mason Mount is at 139 minutes per goal or assist. And Emil Smith rose at 126 minutes per goal or assist. And Emil Smith rowe and Bakayo Saka are babies. They're twenty years of age. They're children. So he's not outperforming the three of those. He just isn't. It's just fundamentally untrue. And they're more consistent than he is. He got two goals last night against Norwich. Norwich are awful. Norwich are, for all intents and purposes, gone. They're 20 games into the Premier League season, and they're pretty much gone. I know that they're only three points off Watford, yada, yada, yada. Does anybody really think Norwich have a chance of staying in the division? Really? At this point? It's too much water under that bridge. They're done for the season. He had three goals through his first 19 Premier League matches. Three. And he's played a bunch of games up front. So you get people saying, oh, he's killing it this season. He had three goals before last night. People are laughing at Newcastle for signing Chris Wood because he scored three goals so far this season in the Premier League. But Chris Wood could easily, in the three games he has to catch Bowen for games played in the Premier League, he could easily nab two goals. Chris Wood scored twelve goals last year, fourteen the year before, and ten in both of the seasons before that for Burnley. Jared Bowen hasn't hit ten in the Premier League yet in a season. Now I know Bowen plays as a wide forward or a winger, and Wood plays a nine. But Chris Wood plays for Burnley. Like he plays for Burnley, they have twenty-seven percent of the possession in games. The service he gets is either whipped crosses from Dwight McNeil or Goodmanson or long punts aimed at his head where he's got to go up and battle with Grox. So, international call-up? Yeah, absolutely. Jared Bone right now probably does deserve an international call-up because Greenwood, uh, Greenwood, Rashford, Sancho... Grealish they're all underperforming not because he's a better player than them not because he's on their level he's nowhere close to their level they're all better players than him but right now this season he's outperforming them so if you go on form yes but form is temporary class is permanent and we've seen enough from Greenwood from Rashford from Sancho to suggest they're better players than him like Mason Greenwood has shown that he is an incredible talent. Mason Greenwood has already had a Premier League season with 10 goals. Last season, he got seven, and it was seen as a step backwards. This season, he's got four. And again, he's underperforming, but he's only got one goal less in the Premier League in five games less and substantially less minutes than Jared Bowen. He's played nine games less in all competitions and only scored three goals less. He doesn't have the assists and that's fine. But it's not like when we see Jared Bowen's assists, they're incredible. They're generally beat a man, put it across to face the goal. That's generally what his assists are. Marcus Rashford, we've seen him have incredible seasons for Manchester United. We've seen him be a top-level player. We've seen him score double figures three seasons in a row. We've seen him get double figures in all competitions five years in a row. We're yet to see Jared Bowen do it at the highest level. So we need to see more from Jared Bowen. He's got eight in all competitions this year in 30 games. Last year, he got eight in all competitions in 40 games. The season before... He scored one goal in 13 games after moving from Hull. So, this is the first time there's ever really been any kind of buzz about Jared Bone. There was no buzz about him last year. Yeah, he was banging in goals when he's in the championship at Hull. But Mitrovic does that, comes up to the Premier League, can't score a lick. Jared Bone has got to hit double figures in the Premier League before we start having a real conversation about him. But for now, he's not outperforming Mount, Smith-Rowe, or Saka. He's not outperforming Raheem Sterling either. Raheem Sterling, in what was seen as a down year last year, was still putting up some half-decent numbers. And this season, he's got nine goals and three assists in... 1551 minutes. So again, he's outperforming Jared Bowen. He's got a goal or assist every 129 minutes, which is 24 less than Bowen. So there's another one who's outperforming him. Like I said, last year we heard about, you know, Sterling is finished, he, he's not at the same level anymore, maybe he's past his prime. But last season Sterling still put up fourteen goals and twelve twelve assists. You know, last season when he was allegedly having the worst season of his time at Manchester United, and no, to be fair, it wasn't allegedly. It was the worst season of his time at Manchester City. He's still a goal and assist, a goal or assist every one hundred and forty two point four minutes, which is nine minutes less than Jared Bowen in supposedly the greatest season of Bowen's career. And that was a doubt a down year for him. People are too quick to write off certain players and too quick to bump up certain other players. Jared Bone is the flavour of the month. But if you watch him week on week, he's not West Ham's best player. He's not their second best player or the third best player. Rice is their best player. Fornals is second. Suchek is third. After that, he's in the mix. But he's not the clear fourth choice. Ben is as good as him. Antonio's as good as him. Kurt Zoum is as good as him, if not better. Sufal is as good as him. Like, West Ham have a, a lot of good players who are on an even keel. But their their three best players are Rice, Fornals and Suchek. And everybody else is just that level below them. Rice is the one that has the ability to propel himself to a level above largely given his age but we shouldn't be too quick to anoint jared bowen as some sort of you know new star in the league just because he was linked with liverpool and remember that link came from james pierce and the west ham reporter which says to me it came from his agent it came from his agent looking to get his client a new contract 18 months into his contract, after a decent season last year, nothing spectacular, but a decent season last year, that is the time to hit West Ham up for a new contract, especially having just qualified for European football. When he joined West Ham, they were a team battling relegation under David Moyes. Now they're a team in Europe, so obviously he's going to want more money. That's where that link came from. There may well be no interest at all from a top club. But look, if he continues to play this way, if he ends the season with, I don't know, 10 Premier League goals, maybe 13, 14 in all competitions, double figures assists, that's absolutely tremendous. Really, really good. And that's a great weapon for West Ham to have. But that doesn't translate to him going to a top club. That doesn't translate to him going to Liverpool. Where would he play for Liverpool? He plays one position. He can play as a nine. He's not very good there. He's not playing as a nine for Liverpool because Jota's a better player and Firmino's a better player. He's not getting in on the right side of the front three because they've got Mo Salah. And while Bowen is having a good season by his standards, Mo Salah's having a great season by anybody's standards. leads to league in goals and assists. So where would he play? He's not going to play left side. He's not good enough to play left side. He's not good enough to be an out-and-out left winger in the way you could bring in Rafinha and he could play on the left. And Rafinha can play any position Bowen can play and he can play them at a higher level. And if you look at Rafinha this season, and again, I keep hearing that, you know, Bowen's having a better season than him. And I don't know where that comes from because I look at Rafinha this season. He's got eight goals and one assist in... 1,481 minutes in a dreadful team. A dreadful team. And yet, you know, he's putting up numbers, less assists, but he's got three more goals in the Premier League than Jared Bowen. He's played 900 less minutes. And he's playing with Dross. So the chances he's creating for others, there's nobody there to put them in. Bowen plays with good players. Ben Ram is very good. Fernaldes is excellent. Antonio is very good. When he's creating chances, he's creating chances for good players. Rafinha is not. He's barely seen Patrick Bamford all year. Like Emmanuel Dennis is having a season that's been better than what we've seen from Jared Bone this year. I don't hear any clamour for Emmanuel Dennis. By the way, goal or assist every 100 minutes this season in the Premier League, uh about one hundred point three in all competitions. I don't hear clamour for him. Don't hear any clamour. And he's playing in a much worse team. Much worse team than than what Bowen is playing in. So I think I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit with Jared Bowen love. He's having a decent season. Last night he missed two sitters. He scored two tap ins he missed two sitters. West Ham fans say he was unplayable. He missed two sitters, and was very fortunate that a second goal was allowed because it was borderline offside. It was denied immediately, and then reviewed on on VAR. It was borderline. If the defender had been aware of what was going on, he'd have been offside because he he missed timed his run. He missed timed his run on the first goal as well. Just got fortunate that Norwich's defense was appalling and that somehow Ben Gibson got a jumped by a guy who's five inches shorter than him. Uh, we'll move on. We'll move on. We won't get too caught up with Emmanuel, Den- with uh, Jared Bone, rather. Uh, Newcastle have completed the signing of Chris Wood, £25 million. Um, I'll be curious to see how Burnley spend that money. I think they've got to go and spend. They've got to go and get two players in. It looks like uh Sekou Fafan is one that they've identified. They've been linked with a €17 million Euro bid. That'd be a very good signing. But he's not a striker. He's not a midfielder either. He's probably a number 10 for them. So they'll still need to go and buy a goal scorer or get a, someone in on loan. Uh be curious to see what they do there. Luka has completed his move to Aston Villa. Again, €25 million of the Queen's pounds. V- Villa have upgraded in this window, bringing in Dignia at left-brack bringing Coutinho. We'll wait and see what Coutinho has to offer, but if he's 75% of what he was at Liverpool, he'll be a really good addition for them. Uh, this will make them exciting going forward. I do wonder what it does to them defensively. Tyron Mings and Luke Coutinho as a left side of your defence doesn't really scream clean sheets, so Gerard's going to have to, to work some, some stuff there. Maybe he's going to have to move John McGinn back to the left side of the midfield three uh, for a bit more solidity. Get that big arse to block off some passing lanes. Um, Everton already have Michaelenko in, so they're going to be very happy. They've got Michaelenko, and they've got um, Patterson in. I think at the moment, their net spend for the window stands at 5 million, which isn't bad. It's not bad at all, because in the aggregate, they've probably upgraded their team, uh, uh, considering both fullbacks have been changed. Um, Chaos rules in the AFCON. So, Tunisia and Mali played yesterday and it was I'm not really sure how it happened but the referee blew his final whistle like five minutes before the game was due to be over. Whether he got confused or not I don't know but he blew his final whistle on the 85th minute. Then he restarted the game realising that something had gone awry and he blew his final whistle On 89 minutes and 47 seconds. Absolutely mental. 85, 89 minutes and 47 seconds. The players went into the dressing room. There was a big uproar. And then the referee went in and said, you've got to come back out and finish this game. And a different referee, I think he was the guy who was the VAR, or he might have been the fourth official. He was taking over for the rest of the game because... The initial referee had made such a hames of things, and then Chinizi refused to come back out. Uh, Chinizi refused to take the field because they were just fed up. Ibrahim Akone had given Mali the lead on forty-nine minutes, forty-eight minutes on a penalty, and it seems like that is that result is going to stand. It seems like that result is going to stand. Jani uh, Zakavi or Zakavi, yeah, I think it's Zakavi. He was the referee in charge. And uh, he may never referee again. Because that was a, an absolute scandal. This guy refereed at the World Cup. This guy refereed at the World Cup and made such a mess of that. There have been other shenanigans at the AFCON, unfortunately. But Gambia were playing Mauritania yesterday. And they played the wrong national anthem. Three times for Mauritania. Three times they played the wrong national anthem. Like it can't be that hard. It really can't be that hard. Uh, That game ended 1 0 to Gambia. Jallo with the only goal of the game. Uh, Also yesterday, Ivory Coast beat Equatorial Guinea 1 0. Max Gradle with the only goal of the game on five minutes. A weaker team for the Ivory Coast than I expected. But uh, as things stand, Ivory Colts top their group, Algeria second. Gambia and Mali top of Group F. Uh, Group D has Nigeria top, Guinea-Bissau in second. Group C has Gabon and Morocco in in second. Uh, Guinea first, Senegal second in Group B. And Cameroon top of Group A with Cape Verde in second spot. Uh, More chaos, more shenanigans, more of it all to follow, really. Uh, Tremendous stuff. Absolutely tremendous stuff. Uh, What else have we got news wise? So, obviously, we've got uh, Real Madrid beat Barcelona in the Super Cup in extra time. Uh, Inter Milan beat Juventus in their Italian Super Cup game, also in extra time. Uh, Those two games just very quietly under the radar last night. And to be fair, if you were actually watching, uh, West Ham Norwich live rather than watching Inter versus Juve. You know that Juve team was an abomination, by the way. Or Real Barça. Uh, fair play, fair play. I watched the uh, the Norwich West Ham game this morning. I watched the highlights last night. Watched the game this morning, and um, yeah, I'm glad I watched the uh, the El Clasico last night. I, I just simple as that. I am glad I watched the El Clasico last night. Uh, also in. England last night we had the EFL Cup semi-final second leg between Chelsea and Tottenham Antonio Rudiger with the only goal giving Chelsea a 3-0 aggregate win and sending them through to the final where they will await either Liverpool or Arsenal. Uh, we'll do the gossip and then we'll take a break and come back with questions uh, Manchester United are interested in Brighton's right back Tariq Lamptey. Brighton will want 40 million for the 21-year-old who's played for England and 21s. I, I'm, I'd be really scared to buy him because he missed nearly a year with a hamstring injury. I'd be really scared to buy him. But he's a super talent. Uh, United's probably not the best place for him to go. Although him and Sancho down that right could be a whole bunch of fun. Uh, the Old Trafford Club have also made contact with Dennis Sicaria. Uh, Arsenal have been in contact over a loan deal for Arthur Mello. They've also targeted Leicester's Belgian midfielder, Yuri Thielemans. Now, Yuri, remember, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. I did the, the bit on players playing in obscene amounts of minutes before their 24th birthday. Yuri Thielemans had played 33,000 minutes before his 24th birthday. Now, it may be that he's unbreakable, but that would be a little bit concerning. That's a lot of miles on his legs. He's been playing first-team football regularly since he was 16 with Anderlecht. Um, and I love Thieleman's, but that's a little bit concerning. Arthur Melo would be an interesting signing for Arsenal. Very talented on the ball. Decent defensively, good positional sense. Not the strongest player in the world. But what strikes me is they own a better player than him in Lucas Torreira, who they've just got binned off on loan at Fiorentina. Uh, the Gunners are still interested in Dusan Vlahovic, but will struggle to finance the move for the Serb. By the end of the month. It's not that they'll struggle to finance the move. He doesn't want the move. Um, Fiorentina want most of their 62.6 million asking price up front. But Arsenal want to compromise it. It's not happening folks. It doesn't. well Look maybe the bag of money turns his head. But I think he'll wait till the summer. I think he'll have better offers in the summer. And Arsenal could still be in the mix then. Um, Paris Saint-Germain are interested in signing Paul Pogba. Yeah, I mean that would that would make sense. It would make sense for him to go back there and be part of the the you know the dog and pony show that takes place over there. Uh, Mauricio Pochettino is still in contact with Manchester United over a move in the summer. Current interim manager Ralph Raniak is keen on Eric ten Hag. I think ten Hag hangs out a year, waits for the city job. I think Pochettino ends up at at United. Uh, Chelsea defender Antonio Rudiger is now planning to stay. At Stamford Bridge, he's out of contract but and has been linked to the move away. Who's arsed? Who's arsed at this point? Sign it or don't sign it? Just make a decision. Aston Villa are chasing the signature of Brighton midfielder Yves Basuma. That's a very, very ambitious move for them. Very, very ambitious. Ousmane Dembele is set to leave Barcelona at the end of the season and Manchester United are keen. Yeah, because you haven't just spent five years or six years now overpaying another French waste of talent, so you might as well get one in. Burnley have held talks with Lenz about signing Ivory Coast midfielder Seiko Fafana. Newcastle and Leeds have also been linked with the the 26-year-old. Newcastle are in talks to sign Ream striker Hugo Ekatiki, and the 19-year-old is keen on a move to Tyneside. Is he, though? Does he even know where Newcastle is? Let's be honest about this. Tottenham are hoping to sign Adamo Traore in a loan deal with an obligation to buy, but Wolves prefer a straight £20 million deal. Leicester City and Filip Benkovic have agreed to cancel the 24-year-old Croatian's contract. This winds me up something shocking. First of all, he's a good, a good defender. First of all, he's a good defender. Secondly, they've been cancelling games because they've got an injury crisis and a COVID crisis. And the truth of it is, they've just got an injury crisis at centre-back and that's why Rodgers wants to cancel games. And he's a centre-back who's been there all along, and Rodgers hasn't given him one look. They've cancelled that contract at 18 months left. He, he cost them $13 million And they're just cancelling his contract. Absolutely mind-blowing. And the fact that they've been allowed to cancel games when he was available, and they didn't really have a crisis, is just incredible. Newcastle are preparing a bid for Amadou Haidera. I think that's just paper talk. Uh, Leeds are interested in Ola Ena. He'd be an upgrade right back for them. Newcastle have made a new £28 million offer for Sevilla defender Diego Carlos. They had a previous offer of £25 million turned down. I mean, Diego Carlos is a good defender. He gives away a lot of penalties, but he is a good defender. He's very aggressive. AC Milan are weighing up a move to sign Ivory Coast. Defender Eric Bailly on loan from Manchester United. But the Old Trafford club might be reluctant to let him leave. Uh, you're looking to sign a defender on loan to cover an injury crisis. And the defender you target is someone who's always injured. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. Juventus are interested in a loan move for Barcelona and Netherlands forward. Memphis Depay. Apparently they're not. Dimarzio's reporting that they are. But. They seem not to be when the, the talk was Morata would go one way and Memphis would go the other. Uh, West Ham goalkeeper Lucas Fabianski said to find a one-year contract extension. It is time for them to move on to Areola. I know he's having a decent season. I do know. But if you lose out Ariola, like you've got an option to buy him, I think, £12 million. It's going to cost you a lot more to get a goalkeeper of that calibre. Uh, Brazil striker Gabriel Barbosa was the subject of a Of an offer from West Ham early this month, and he is set to tell Flamengo he wants to leave the club to move to England. He'd be a very interesting signing. I'm not sure where he'd fit. He's not uh, an Antonio replacement type, because he's a very different type of player. I don't know where he would fit with West Ham, but he's a good player. I'd like to see him in England. Uh, Manchester United will prioritise a new contract for Marcus Rashford. 24-year-old's current deal runs out in 2023. They've got an option to extend it to 2024. If I was him, I'd run a mile. I'd run a mile before signing that contract. Uh, Ralph Hasenoodle says it will be difficult to ensure key players stay at the club despite the recent takeover. Of course, they, they have recently been bought out. Um, there's no real word yet on what the plans of the owners are. But you know the likes of Team Livermento are going to attract real interest really quickly. Same with Salisu. Young defenders with that kind of upside, they're going to attract interest real quick. Uh, we'll take a break there. When we come back, we have listeners' questions, so I'll see you in a few minutes. Right, welcome back. So, uh, listeners' questions of a Thursday. Um, AMK two eight eight nine. Your all-time eleven of one club players. And do you have an Irish club that you support? I do. I support St Patrick's Athletic. Um, used to go to the games a lot when I was a kid and when I lived in Dublin. So St Patrick's Athletic are my team. Now, when I say support, I keep a, you know, a loose eye on what they're doing but um, I haven't been a a real supporter in in a long time. Uh, Your all-time 11 of one-club players. I saw this one earlier, and I have prepared my 11. Now, I will say, this was much easier to put together the defence than the attack. So, what I've got, I've got Lev Yashin in goal, one of the greatest goalkeepers of all time. Um, I've got Giuseppe Bergami at right-back. Inter Milan, legend, plays centre-back as well, but he was a right-back for much of his career. Paolo Maldini at left-back, maybe the greatest defender of all time. Franco Baresi as one of my centre-backs, arguably the best centre-back of all time. Next to Tony Adams, who I believe is the best English centre-back of all time. Um, Certainly a much better defender than the likes of Terry and, and Ferdinand, who are held up on the pedestal. Saul Campbell would challenge him. Obviously, Bobby Moore, but he's before my time. But uh, yeah, I've got I've got Bergami, Adams, Baresi, and Maldini at the back. So you're not scoring against my defence. Um, and funnily enough, all of these guys were sort of at their peak in and around the same time. Maldini a little bit later than the others. He's a couple of years younger, I think, than Adams. But yeah, that, that's what I've got in defence. In midfield, so I've got Paul Scholes. I think Paul Scholes has become hugely underrated. I've got Dieter Elz, who's one of my favourite players. He's the reason Werner Bremen are my Bundesliga team. And I've got Sergio Busquets, again, one of my favourite players. So they're my midfield three. Uh, That's a very slow midfield three. I've got Koke as an honourable mention from Atletico Madrid. Um, But yeah, I've got a very slow midfield three. Then I've got an attack. It's a little bit of an awkward fit. I'm going to have to play Giggs on the right of a front three, which isn't ideal. But, I mean, you can't deny... I, I, you can definitely argue with things Ryan Giggs has done off the pitch. You can't argue with the career he had and the fact that he was at United for all of their success under Ferguson. Um, I've got Matt Letizia as my false nine. Again, he's gone completely off the rails. He is an absolute head case. But... Letizia was a sensational player for Southampton. and kept them in the division single-handedly for years. And then playing off the left, but with freedom to do whatever he wants, because you're never putting this guy in a box, Francesco Totti. For me, one of the best players of the last 30 years, one of the most entertaining players, someone I would go out of my way to watch kick a ball against the wall. So I'll go Totti. So that's my eleven and Koke is my honourable mention, uh, Carragher honourable mention. But I was told as well I couldn't leave, I couldn't have anyone that was on loan, so that's fine, and I didn't include the likes of Gerard, who went on and played for somebody else, or Iniesta, who went on at the end of his career and played for somebody else. So uh, that's what I've got. Hope that answers the question. Chris Colby, early question, how would you spend the wood money if you were Burnley? and actually spend it all. Two scenarios, one with a goal of staying up and one with the inevitability of going down and adding players to come back up. So, this is difficult. So, the the goal, obviously, is to stay up. It, it has to be. I think they're going to have to change formation a little bit. But, I, I would look at... Fafana is one that's been linked, and I think he's a really good player. I, I think he'd be a really interesting player for Burnley to get. And I think if you play him as a 10 behind a striker with Max Corneille on one wing and Dwight McNeil on the other, I think that's a really exciting 3-0 behind a striker. Then you still get to keep your Westwood and Cork double pivot in midfield and you get Josh Brownhill can play as the 10 or he can play in central midfield. You've got Goodmanson and Aaron Lennon can play the wide roles. You've got depth for strikers with Ashley Barnes, Rodriguez and Vidry. You just don't want any of them starting. Um, so they'd have to get a striker in. Now, Fafana, the fee I've seen mentioned is about 14000000 million. We'll wait and see if it's if it happens, but I think that would be a good starting point. Um, you look at their defense. They brought in Roberts in the summer right back. They've still got uh, Louton there. I think Bardsley's still there as well, so they're fine there. You've got uh, Taylor and Peters at left back. Again, you'd like a younger backup, but it's okay for now. You could do with a body at centre back, but you've got Tarkovsky, you've got and you've got Collins. Now Tarkovsky is going to leave on a free in the summer, all things being likely. So Collins probably becomes a starter. I think they need to buy a centre back. Joe Warrell is one. Uh, Dicky from QPR is another. McKenna from from Forest, uh, Warrell's teammate. Could be one. I think they are all Burnley-esque defenders um, that they could maybe look at. But for now, they're probably okay to finish out this season. So you've got to go find that number nine. You've just got to go find someone that can score goals. And you've got about 11 million left. Plus anything the owners might kick in. I'd be curious to see them go for someone like an Eddie Ketia, but I don't think he'll move that far. No, I think he'll probably go to Crystal Palace or abroad. He's probably a bit too, too small to be a dice number nine. Um, so, I mean, if you're looking for the the prototypical dice number nine, you're looking at someone six three six four, dominant in the air, mobile, decent on the floor. If Mateta's loan to QPR gets cancelled, I wouldn't be against going for him on loan. He won't. He hasn't done well in the Premier League, but he is a decent player. And he could be interesting. Uh, Ajorke from Strasbourg would be the one, though. And if you could get him in on loan with an obligation to buy in the summer, I think he'd be perfect. Proving goalscorer, 6'6", great in the air, physical, three years younger than Wood, and a more technically talented player than Wood. I think someone like him would make a lot of sense for them. So I don't know I, I don't know if you could get him in uh this window on loan, but if you could get him on loan with an obligation to buy, I think he'd be perfect. I really do think he'd be perfect for them. So that that's what I would do. I, I'd go Fafana and Azorke, I'd play him as the nine, Fafana as the ten, McNeil on the left wing, Corne on the right wing, and Keep your your Westwood and Cork double pivot or Westwood and Brownhill, whichever you prefer. But that's what I would do. And then in the summer, I think you look at bringing in a centre-back, bringing in a younger backup left-back, and maybe adding one more body in midfield, in central midfield, because you've only really got three. And I think you need at least four when you play a two-man midfield. So uh, that's what I would do. If they go down, I, I really don't know. Because McNeil will leave. Cornet probably leaves. Pope leaves. You're talking about a complete rebuild if they go down. You really are talking about a complete rebuild if Burnley go down. And I don't know if Dyche will stick around to do it. Um So you could be starting over completely. Um, team dream started. You see, Bruno's performance. I like, did. It was awful, but he wasn't as bad as some others on the team. Um, right, Ragav. Uh, duh, 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 duh. what were your expectations for these players when you first saw them play? As in, this guy has the potential to be an all-time great, among the best of his generation. Good player or nothing special. So, is the first. Um, genuinely, I I thought he'd be among the best of his generation. I genuinely did think he'd be a great, great player for a long time. So much talent, but just wasn't dedicated to the game. Uh, Ricardo Quaresma, exactly the same. Thought he'd be among the best of his generation. Natural ability, higher level than Cristiano, but just wasn't as dedicated. If he did Cristiano's mindset, he might be the best player ever. That's how skilled he was. When Karezma was 17, 18, like this kid was just different. Like, just di- think of the first time you saw Ronaldinho play and how much pleasure watching that guy manipulate a football brought to you. Karezma was like that, but with more pace and more, more theatrics, really. Like, Dinho didn't develop a lot of that until later. There's a lot of stepovers and different things, but a lot of the stuff that we saw make him great at Barcelona only really started to click at Barcelona. Crespo was doing that stuff as a kid at Sporting. Um, he just made he made a lot of bad moves. He made a lot of money too early is, is one of the problems. Adriano, I thought he'd be an all time great. I, I did. I think I thought he'd be an all time great. Six two, built like a tank, quick. Good first touch. Could beat a man. And when he pulled his left foot back and let fly. I I still to this day have not seen a ball ping off someone's foot the way it used to off his. Uh, Arshavin, I just thought he was a good player. Didn't think he was anything special. Joe Cole, I, I did think, would be among the best of his generation. And he just made the wrong move. He went to Chelsea. Joe Cole should have been a number 10. He went to Chelsea and got lumped out in the left wing. He developed into a good player, don't get me wrong. Joe Cole had a good career, uh, but he never became close to what he had the talent to be. And England have a habit of doing this because Jack Reed is the same thing. Um, so yeah, that's that one. Um, AMK2889, where, where do you see Benzema's road taking him once he leaves Madrid? Maybe some sort of switch with Mbappé and going to PSG as Mbappé heads to Madrid. Maybe somewhere in Italy or America. I think he'll go to Italy. I do. I, I could see him going to AC Milan. Wherever he goes, he's going to be great. Because he is he is in the top three players in the world right now. He is phenomenal. Freed of the weight of carrying Cristiano, Benzema is absolutely balling. He is phenomenally good. Uh, Armand. What do you think of Liverpool signing Victor Simeon? Do you think he would suit us well? And how much do you think it would take to get him? I think he could be a really good Firmino replacement. The only worry would be another player heading to AFCON. Yeah, so that would be a worry. But if you sell Mane, then it's just one replacing one. I, I like Victor Simeon. I think he's a really good player. I think he's got huge potential. He He's only 23 years of age. Just turned 23 as well. My concern with him is that Napoli paid... Basically sixty million from, and I don't know what they would want, but I it would be more than that, and I don't think he's worth what they paid from yet. So for me, he would just be priced out of a move. As much as I like him, I think there's huge potential there as an all-round number nine, but the price would just put me off. It really would. Um, Brian X want your opinion on a player I liked and always thought it was so unfortunate to be injured what do you think of Vincente Rodriguez at Valencia loved him absolutely loved him in the modern game he would be an inside forward actually he, Brian has mentioned that he would be an inside forward in the modern game without question so I used to have a season ticket at Brighton and he signed the last season I had a season I left England a couple of months after he signed uh, and moved home. He. He was just. The, the talent he had. there it was the championship admittedly. But the talent he had just stood out. But his career was wrecked by injuries. Like. He only had one season. Of the last eight. Sorry the last seven seasons he spent at Valencia. And he had one season. Where he played 26 or more games. And it. It all came off the back. That 0304 3 4 season. Under Rafa Benitez. When they won the league. He scored 14 goals. 12 in the league. 14 in all competitions. Won the UEFA Cup that year as well. He was sensational. And there was strong links. That he was going to be the one to come to Liverpool. That Benitez wanted him. At Liverpool. And. Injury after injury, 15 games, 22, 21, 25. He finally managed to get back on track in 08, 09 and play 38 games in all competitions, scored 10 goals. But then 11, 14 and even with Brighton, he was plagued by injuries, 17 and 12 in his two seasons there. He was so unfortunate, so unfortunate, such a good player. Yeah, I really, really liked him. I would have loved to have seen him come to England fully fit and just bang goals in. Rick M, how do you rate Julian Alvarez from River Plate and what clubs in England would be a good fit for him? I've not seen enough of him. He looks like that prototypical short, bustly South American forward, your your Tevez, your um Angel Correa, your Suarez. Don't know if he's gonna be that level of player, but certainly looks a good player. Certainly looks like an exciting player. Um, as for where he'd be a good fit, Bayern Leverkusen, maybe? Like, I'd like to see him have that in between move rather than jumping to a Liverpool or a United or someone. Take that in between step. And I think him, one side of Patrick Schick with Musa Diaby, the other could be interesting for them. Um, what are your t- KR99 top five favourite seasons sporting Liverpool? Um, Jesus. Uh, 94, 95 was fun because we were we were a fun team to watch. 95, 96 was a, I loved the Roy Evans era because we were fun to watch. But 2000, 2001, absolutely went to pretty much every game that I could that year, and Liverpool won three trophies. The following season was a good season as well. Kim second in the league. Julier made that ridiculous ten games ten games from greatness comment and kind of threw the whole thing away. Um 5 obviously winning the Champions League, that run through Europe and the excitement of what Benitez who'd you know come in having won two La Ligas and a UEFA Cup, that was a fun season. Um 7 because Mascherano arrived in the mid middle of that season and we got to a Champions League final. I loved that season. It was just a shame it ended with nothing. 13-14 was fun. And the main reason... 13-14 is my number one. I would say it's one. 18-19 is 2 2000-2001 is three. 04, 05 is four and 94 95 or 95 96 is 5 but the reason i would say 13 14 is 1 is cuz we started doing the anfield index podcast that year and it, i was living in australia and it it just made the season for me i know it all ended in heartbreak but it is what it is uh james what do you think about van Dijk right, right now he's still brilliant he's obviously not back to his best that's to be expected before a big injury how long How long would you start before you start getting worried? So I'm not going to get worried at all. Uh, He is exactly where I thought he would be. This is a two-year injury. To get back to his best, it's a two-year injury. So he's had one year. I think by next season, Virgil is back at his very, very imperious best. But he is still the best centre-back in the league even now. And it ain't close. There's no one even touching his level. So I'm not worried at all. Um, Right, Isaac Gilding. using. Players that don't represent their country, or so that didn't represent their country at all, or in your opinion simply didn't represent them enough. What are the best 11s you could make for England, France, Spain and Germany? Maybe do Ireland too if you want more of a challenge. So the problem with Ireland is we don't produce enough good players to have a good 11, let alone an overflow of good players. Um, This would actually be fun to do. I want to take some time to do this though. So I will do this, but I won't do it for today. I'll do it maybe for Monday. No, not Monday. Tuesday. Tuesday. I'll do it for Tuesday. Um, Yeah, best 11s. I assume this is historical as well, not just now. So best 11s of players who didn't get enough caps or didn't play at all uh, for England, France, Spain and Germany. I will do that for Tuesday. Um, I have... One last set of questions to come. And here they are. So this is from Nazu. Uh, just a couple of questions regarding Real Madrid. Who do you think they should bring in to play in midfield alongside Camavinga? I was thinking Telemans. Let me know what you think. Telemans would be interesting. The only question I would have is, which one of them are you going to have sitting? Because I think Camavinga and Valverde, As much as they could do it, it might not be the best use of them. I think Chiuameni could be perfect. Same age profile as Camavinga and Valverde. I think as a replacement to Casemiro. Similar enough stylistically with Casemiro as well in that physical, dominant performances. Good passing range. Gets himself forward. I think Chuomeni would be the perfect one. Uh, do you think Haaland will work alongside Vinicius and Mbappe? Bit disrespectful leaving Benzema out. Listen, it is disrespectful because Benzema has been amazing since Cristiano packed up and left. But you've got to look for the long term. And the fact of the matter is that if you can get Erling Haaland in, you do it. No matter what else you have, you do it. Erling Haaland can be a machine for you for a decade. At best, you're probably getting two more good years of Benzema, if you can get value for Benzema and sell him and get a chunk of money back, doesn't that help pay for the rest? As for Mbappe and Vinicius, that could be a little bit weird as a three. Now, it could work. Mbappe on the right, Haaland through the middle, Vinicius off the left, or switch Vinicius and Haaland. I've often wondered, could they maybe go 4-4-2 and play Vinicius wide on the left, Rodrigo wide on the right, Two-man midfield that would probably be Valverde and Camavinga long term, and then the two guys as a front two, that I think might work a little bit better. But if you're going four-three-three, three, I think it, it can work because they're young enough to make it work. They're young enough to develop them to make it work. And if they all want to be there, they can absolutely do it. Can Rudiger work in the back four? I don't think he's very good in the back four. I don't think he's very good in the back four at all. So he played in the back four under. Sari at Chelsea, and I didn't think they were great at all as a back four. I thought he was questionable positionally. Thought his judgment was off, his decision making was off. He allowed runners off his blind shoulder too often. Under Lampard, then he was an unmitigated disaster in it too. And they were remember they were trying to sell him and couldn't find a buyer for him because Zuma had taken his position. Under Tuchel in the three, he has been very good, but playing in a three is much easier than playing in the two, especially when you're playing with attack-minded fullbacks as he was with Emerson Palmieri and Marcus Alonso as his left backs in that four, and he just looked completely lost. So I think playing in the three suits him. If I was Real Madrid, I wouldn't touch him. I wouldn't touch him. You've got a better centre back for a back four than him in Eder Milletown. Now, I don't necessarily love David Alaba as a centre-back. I think he's good there, but he's not great there. Whereas he's a great left-back, I think he's great in midfield. So I do wonder if he might be better suited to play in left-back, but then you've got Ferland Mendy. Can you put him into your midfield rotation? You've got a lot of bodies in there with... You know, with the players, yeah, but for me, I would be looking to bring in a center back to play next to Militao. But I'd be looking for someone who's more of the sweeper type. Militao is that aggressive front foot defender. If you could find he won't leave PSG, unfortunately, but if you could get Marquinhos in there, that would be perfect. Um, but I do think. I do think that attack could work. I think Chiuameni would be perfect. And, I mean, look, Tielemans will work. You can play, Valverde could play as the holder. Again, a bit of a waste of him. Camavinga could play as the holder and be incredible. You could go diamonds. You could play Camavinga deepest in a diamond. Valverde and Tielemans as the engine of it. And Vinicius has the ability to play as a 10. So you could play him as a 10 behind the other two. Haaland and Mbappe. And that could be absolute death for everybody. That could be just incredible. Would open the right flank from Endy. You still need a right wing back. What a shame that Real didn't keep hold of Hakimi and Teo Hernandez. Because they'd be perfect to play flanking in a diamond. They're both naturally more wing backs than full backs. But in a diamond with license to go... Yeah, that could be sensational. Um so you could go Diamond if you if you get the right right back in. Now who that would be, I don't know. There's not exactly a a surplus of great right backs right now, but I, I trust Real to find one. Um or maybe you can you can convert somebody into that. I, I don't know. But I, I think the Haland and Mbappe thing could work. Um right, that is it then. That is me. We've gone a bit long. We are a little bit late out today because we went a bit long. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I will see you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Have a good day. And, Isaac, I will get that one on Tuesday. Thanks again. bye Bye-bye. Podcast Network.